Hey guys, Dave from CrossFit845 here. We're doing episode 79, and I decided to bring on five nurses. This is one of my favorite episodes and probably one of the best episodes as far as what people need to know and information that people probably don't know at this time that we're going through the coronavirus epidemic. And these five local nurses give the insight of what is happening in their lives and what's happening in the hospitals and their patient lives. It is absolutely mind-blowing. I got to tell you, though, there are some audio-like glitches and whatnot. Sometimes the audio cuts in and out on some of the speakers, but this is some insightful stuff and has shed some light on what is happening locally here in Dutchess County and in the Hudson Valley, New York. So have a listen. Let me know how you guys like it. Drop a comment somewhere, anywhere, any freaking where that we can hear your feedback on this episode. Share it with your friends, share it on your social medias. Episode 79 with five nurses versus the COVID-19. All right, guys, episode 79 here. I brought some um, ladies in from CrossFit 845, but they are not just your everyday lady or your average lady. They are our lo- local superheroes that we have here at the gym. Um, I could have brought on more, but I want to bring these ladies on because they are on the front lines of what's currently happening in our current situation and in our locale locally here in Dutchess County. and. Putnam County. So I want to introduce you guys to five ladies who I am not just members of mine, they are friends of mine at this point, and um, they are all nurses. So just want to bring these girls on. And first, I want to introduce Miss Juliana. Miss Juliana, how are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm well. I just worked out. I got that. I worked she worked out outside, so I got that little Fran lung going on. Yeah. It seems like every episode now, I'm like, I got the Fran lung going on. It's not COVID. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I won't get you sick. Yeah. No fear. Um, so just for everyone who doesn't know what you do, kind of introduce, I don't know, in a couple sentences, describe what you do. All right. Well, I'm a nurse. I work, I would say if I'd have to describe myself as a nurse, I'm an infusion nurse. So I go to people's homes. I give them chemo. I give them IVIG. That's basically what I do. I work for a company called Quorum. So they're an affiliate of um, CVS Health. And yeah, that's that's my role. So you Public health nursing, basically. Okay. So you're doing home visits right now. Home visits. Yep. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next, I'm going to introduce Sam. Sam has been with me for a very long time. 2013. 2013. And she has been an awesome supporter of the gym and this group. But it's not about me today. It's about you today, Sam, and what you do. And so why don't you tell everyone what you do? Hi, I'm Sam Hartshorn, and I am a OBGYN Caremount nurse down in Mount Kisco, and I also am a mental health uh, nurse with uh, peds and adolescents in Brewster for Green Chimneys. Uh, Green Chimneys. I was just going to ask you what the name was. Yes. Okay, perfect. Next up on the docket is um, 
Jen. Now, Jen, Jen just got home, I think. She just expressed she had a very long day, but we'll get into that later. Uh, Jen, I want you to introduce yourself and what you do. Yep. Um, I'm Jen. I'm a nurse. Um, I actually work at quite a few different locations. Um, I've recently gone back to Vassar as a float, which means that I go to different floors whenever they need me. Um, I also work at a private boarding school, which is on furlough right now, which like for all the other schools, I also run a camp in the summertime as a health director. Um, and I just actually got confirmation that I'm going to go to Connecticut over to Sharon hospital and volunteer at one of their testing sites. Um, so I'm doing a lot of things right now, actually. Okay. As well as, you know, being a parent. (laughs) Yep. So. And you just got back from where today? Which job, Vassar? Um, no, I just got back from one of the urgent cares. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, we'll get into that. We'll definitely get into that yep. today. All right, next up we have Cindy. Cindy is traveling right now. I just want her to be safe, first and foremost. And uh, But she took the time to hop on with us. Cindy, introduce yourself. What do you do? Where are you from? What's your name? Oh, oh you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from... Uh, I work at Cardinal Hayes Home for Children and Adults. We um, service individuals with developmental and physical disabilities. I have um, 19 on my caseload, two different homes. We take care of them and help um, unlicensed personnel to care for them. So we train them on how to give medications, how to feed the residents through their G-tube, or if they have modified diets, we train them how to do that. Yes. Love it. Been there like 12 years. Oh, wow. And that's your only gig right now, correct? Yeah, that's my only gig now. Got it. Perfect, Cindy. All right, we'll get into that too. And last but not least, um, we have Miss Christy Irish. Sorry, Christy, I said your last name. That's all right. Um, now, Christy has been, uh, she's fairly new at being a nurse, correct? Officially. Yeah. Yeah, like four years. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I don't know. That was time flew by. That's right, great. Yes, yeah. I feel like it was yesterday. You were just um, going through school. But yeah. I feel like just through your pictures and whatnot, I've seen that you were kind of like in the shit of things. But we'll get into that mm-hmm. as well. But just tell everyone where you work, what you do. Um, so I actually work at Vassar as well in the float pool. I didn't realize I worked with you, Jen. Um, <gasps> right. Uh, you know, the flow pool, we don't really see each other much. We go and we, we fill in gaps and staffing wherever. So I'm like all over the hospital. Uh, lately, it's been, you know, the positive units where they're needing the staff the most. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Okay. That's key. Positive units. Got it. Okay, girls. Excellent. So now you know my girls, everybody. Everybody knows my girls now. Um, so guys, let's get into this. Um, I don't know who's going to answer first. I don't really have an order of this. There's five of you, but um, we'll try to, you know, one person at a time. If you want to jump in, feel free to jump in, and then we'll just take it from there. We'll see how it goes. The Zoom, the Zoom technology is kind of crazy, mm-hmm. but it's fun. Um, all right, ladies, so tell me, get, let's get a temperature of what's going on out there. What are you guys <laughs> seeing as far as, um, let's start with the ugly, Okay. It could be from today. It could be from this week, last week. What are, what are we looking at? What's the temperature of what you guys are seeing at your individual jobs and locations? 
ahead, you know what? I, I think it depends on where you're at. So, I, I, you know, and, and Christy can understand this. So like when you're working as a float nurse, what that means is you're going from, you can be in the ER one shift and then the next shift you can be in ICU. Next shift you can be on med surge. You can be like all different places. So depending on where you are, depends on what you're going to see. Um, so, you know, last week I had a shift in the ER, which is like some of my favorite people down there. But um, you get into um, situations where people just really aren't understanding. Um, yes, I, I get it. Like I'm triaging you and yes, I get it. Yes, you have a cough and, and, and yes, you have a low grade fever. And, but, you know, I, I've got a guy in base 16 who's coding and it's going to be a little bit more important right now than your sniffles. So, so, so just for everybody who doesn't know, what does coding mean? Oh, uh, he's having a heart attack oh. or, or, or something of that effect, you know? So it's like, so I, I think like the public isn't understanding that like, yes, we are having a pandemic, but every day illnesses are happening as well. You know, right, so they're still. Yeah, so that, that was one of my questions for you girls. I guess I'm jumping a little too early on this, but like I have a broken leg. I just broke my leg, got hit by a car, something like that. Are you going to take me in? Well, um, okay, so the last where did you break your leg? Like, is it stable? Is it a compound fracture? Like, yeah. that's really like getting into like a lot of it. You know, like, did you break your femur? Like, you know, like, you know, are you protruding? Like, are you going into shock? You know, like, there's all those different things that we have to assess on the fly when we're in the ER. Right. Um, whereas opposed to if, if you're on a, a positive unit, you know, it, that's, that's going to be like basic care. That's like, you know, doing, you know, vent care or, you know, you know, assessing airways and, and such. So it, it's a matter of where you're at. But I think the the mass hysteria right now is the people that are clogging, you know, the, the ER. And, and Christy, you, you can confirm, because I don't think we're at capacity yet. Um, no, like I know overall, I, yeah, I yeah. think our census is actually on the lower end of what we're typically at this time of year, because I think initially we're right. finding where we're actually seeing people like afraid to come into the hospital, which is probably what it should be right now. But they're, they're predicting in the next couple of weeks right. is where we're going to be like at the peak of, of COVID. And so we're, we're thinking it's just going to probably explode with our bed capacity. It's going to spike from there. Right. You know, and right now I'm hearing, I'm not at Northern Westchester, but it's down the road that we're getting now patients from the city coming up. Yeah. Because right. Oh, Benedictine. Yes taking on 239 beds, I think, of, I don't know whether it's going to be COVID patients or just regular patients transferring from New York City, but they're taking on a chunk of patients from the city, basically. So, and I've heard that too, it's because they don't want to go to their, their local hospitals because, you know, New York City is a hotspot, whether you, regardless of whatever borough that you're in, but oh. they're like, oh, well, you know, Duchess only has like 537 confirmed cases. Let me head up to their ER instead, or let me get, you know, oh. tested at one of their testing sites instead. And now it's starting to clog it. And then whatever's coming from those boroughs are coming up to here. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So will, will there have to be some sort of um, auxiliary site for Vassar once Vassar gets filled up? 
Well, I um, think right now we have Dutchess Stadium is one of our off testing sites. So if, if you feel that you have symptoms, um, you're supposed to contact your, your primary care and say, hey, listen, this is how I'm feeling. You could do like those virtual care things. I'm pretty sure, Sam, you can back me up. I think Caremount is doing them. You can have the whole virtual thing. You can talk to your primary We're care physician. We're doing telehealth. Yeah. Right, they're doing the telehealth, right. And then they would say, okay, fine, so call up the, the, the remote testing center, which there's one at Dutchess Stadium, and then you can go there and be tested, but you have to call and you have to make an appointment, you know. And all that is, is it's rapid testing. So it, it's kind of like a, you know, like when you get a strep test, you know, you go in and they swab you and they see if you have it. But a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, I thought I had a couple of weeks ago. Well, a couple of weeks ago isn't going to do any good. Like it, you know, it's, it's whether you have it now. So unless you have the active symptoms of it and then you go get tested, then you'd be confirmed that you have it. And then, you know, that you have to quarantine yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think in regards to overflow, if, if, if that's what you're talking about, mm-hmm. I think they're talking about um, Dutchess Community College. And I can't forget, I, I forget what the other school is. Um, taking on, I guess, your heart attacks, your strokes, once Vassar and the other health facilities become inundated with COVID. Got it. So, so, got it. So my, you know, my father-in-law gets a heart attack. I call 911. They're going to say, ambulance is on the way, but they're going to take him to God knows where. Is, is, is not going to be faster, so, right? I think, um, you know, it's, it's based on like triaging the patients too. Like they're obviously going to keep the more critical ones in the heart of like the hospital. Right. We have certain designated units right now that are our positive units. So we have any patients that test positive and they're, you know, they're needing to keep them in designated units to try to prevent the spread to, you know, people that come in with a heart attack that don't necessarily have COVID. We don't want to spread it to them. So right. Like we are, um, every day is different at the hospital lately. They're, they're changing things like on a day-to-day basis. I know most recently is they're actually moving out. Um, we are not taking pediatric patients anymore. They're going to open up our pediatric wing to, to COVID patients. They also cleared out like um, the infusion center, our Dyson center they have for patients to come in to get infusions. And they are actually like all of that's going out as well that they're going to start to use. For patients. I actually had um, gone a couple days ago to a critical care class because they're needing to like urgently train nurses to be able to take critical care patients. Like they don't have enough ICU nurses to cover what's to come wow. basically. So they're like frantically trying to cross train us. And so I went to a class and um, the director of our, our critical care, the nurse uh, manager is like phenomenal. And she, she was telling us that from doing these um, you know, reconsolidation of units and whatnot. There, she's made um, like 125 potential ICU type beds. So wow. she's she's planning for up to that point. She's prepared for. She's just you know we're we're trying to prepare for the worst and I guess hope for the best. But she's kind of taking those those steps at least to prepare us. Wow. Um, and and Sam, what about you? What's what's ugly down there down south? What's going on um, down there? So I am doing a lot of doctor office visits, and because we're in a 
vulnerable population with the OB clients coming in. We're now also seeing pregnant people coming in with COVID, which we apparently didn't see before. This has been new or I didn't know about it. And so we're screening. Those people aren't allowed to come in and we're actually drawing out their normal routine OB visits are now longer in between one another in duration. So they come in later than they normally would for checkups. Right. And then uh, the people that are coming in for well visits are only till 1 p.m., like all in the morning. And they're to wait in their car, actually, and we're to call them up from their car to come in, and there's nobody allowed in the waiting area. So it's one by one, and now we're just this week started implementing a lot more telehealth visits via Skype and the video conferencing. So when they're sitting in their car, when they walk, yeah, when they're walking in, do they have to get their temperature checked? No, and that's actually kind of not the greatest thing we had. uh, They they're given a mask as soon as they walk in the building. There's like an atrium. So even before they get past the second set of doors, somebody is supposed to be screening them with the various questions, giving them a mask, and then they're allowed in. But people have been lying and not telling the truth just to get in to see their doctor. So, yeah, it's very... Sam, I have a question for you. Risky, yeah. So, I mean, I know a couple of people that work down in Mount Kisco as well. So, um, have you heard about being furloughed? Yes, the next couple of you weeks. Have. I, yeah, you're going to be on and off for the month. I'm going to be furloughed also. So, instead of uh, me personally, I I don't want to collect unemployment. I don't right. know. I I rather prefer not. Um, it's just a choice, but I'm going to actually, I'm reaching out to my local health department, whether it's Dutchess County and or Putnam, Putnam, I know people's and I'm going, I've just mess, uh, got in contact with them yesterday to call me back to help out there. And if not, I was going to go towards Dutchess to help out because I don't want to sit around for two weeks when I could be doing something and helping. Yeah. I mean, if you want, I I have the links. I don't know if you have your Connecticut nursing license or Juliana or Chrissy, if you do, but I also have my Connecticut nursing license. um, And they're looking for a lot of help as well. Um, So if you want, I can send you that because they've been contacting me. Yeah. Like um, Albany just called me this morning um, to go to New York city. So, really? okay. I mean, wow. that's a, that's a big, that's, that's a big, uh, I know it's that's hard. hard. That's a big decision. Right. So I would rather so my, stay local. So my, right. So my stipulation was, um, it's my understanding, like they, they offered me Putnam and uh, New York city, but my mm-hmm. understanding is, is, is supposed to like, 
the Marriott in New York details because like I just found out yesterday. Um, but apparently they're supposed to be housing oh, they healthcare are. workers. Yeah, they, um, they are. Right. But I, I, like I said, I don't have all the details. So I, it, that was a big concern for me because like, I'm not going to, you know, hop on the Metro North or get in my car and head down to, you know, Manhattan or Brooklyn or Queens or whatever. And like do a 12 or like, you know, whatever, and then come back to my family. Like I can't yeah. do that. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, so regardless of like the monetary aspect, I can give two shits. It's just a matter of, I don't want to jeopardize my family Expose so them. if I can stay down there right if I can stay down there and you're going to put me up then I'm more inclined to do it you know mm-hmm. um but th- th- that really hasn't been uh, when you listen to the news you know you get so many different you know answers you know de Blasio says one thing Cuomo says another the paperwork that you get through your email says something entirely different Ooh, um <laughs> Right. So, I mean, the, the reason why I agreed to head out to Connecticut, um, which is, you know, Sharon Hospital, um, because it's not that far. It's only like 40 minutes away. And it's very, very small. I mean, I don't know if you guys have been to Sharon yeah. before, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, and it's part of HealthQuest, um, but it's really small. So I wouldn't mind going there and being afloat there because it's kind of like, you know, six one half dozen the other, like, you know, go there 40 minutes or, you know, up to Vassar or whatever. Um, but heading down to the city, like, I'd really have to contemplate that a lot. Like, I'd have to find out, like, what's the best interest for yeah. me personally and then my family, yeah. you know. Because, right. so, you know, there's only so much bleach we all have. Yes. So, so Sam, <laughs> would you want to say that? Do you want to add something there, Sam? I was, I was going to say that uh, the commute is a lot better. I will say that instead of being an hour Oh, the car, commute is so much better. Yeah, 30 really minutes is. and it makes me so happy. <laughs> So Juliana, Albany called you and they say, hey, um, listen, are you available to go down to the city? And then what's going on in your head as far as the office. Is your decision being made? I mean, I want oh, to hold on, hold on. I'm talking, all right? That's okay. <laughs> no, go ahead. So what's, your, so what's going through your head when they ask you that? First, firstly, like I'm, I'm currently employed. Um, the job I'm doing, I've been doing for five years. I have relationships with the people I'm taking care of. <laughs> and then my family, basically. Like, not so much exposing them, because honestly, I don't know about you ladies, but I've been exposed already. I've been taking care of positives. I took care, I've been taking care of positives before. I knew they were positive, walked into their home, didn't have proper gear on. So... Um, that for me, I mean, it frightens me, but I guess what it comes down to is, you know, doctors and nurses are dying in New York city. We don't understand this virus. So are they dying because of the multiple exposures they're getting? Are they dying because of underlying conditions they have? I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Um, I'm. It's Not scary. It's, 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 I, I'm, I want to fight for, you know, my people, my New York, New York city, New York state, and my nurses. I want to be part of the team, but at the same time, there's that fear. Yeah, for sure. So, I agree. Yeah. That is a, um, and if I didn't have children, probably wouldn't have the fear as much as I do now that I have two kids. Sure. Sure. Um, 
So you said you, you've been exposed, so some of your patients have it? Yes. Okay. And how are you, like, handling that? Are you, and how, is, how are you handling that with your family, too? Um, and, and how – so I have so many questions. When did, when did you know that you were exposed, and how did no, you the, handle that? This started, like – how long have we been going through this? I mean, two weeks on lockdown, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to say, I'm going to say probably like without us even knowing what it was, probably January. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, easily, if you think about it. Yeah, I'm going to say earliest. like the end of January, mid end of January uh-huh. is, is like the earliest, but what we didn't know right. what it was. Exactly. So the first patient I walked, because yeah. I do the home aspect of things so the first patient I walked into um when the Albany office did the intake they didn't tell them they had like they didn't answer the questions appropriately so then when I went into the home I was like I asked the questions again and they were like oh yeah we're all quarantined there was a family of four and I'm like okay so I I was in the house for five minutes went back out got all my gear um, but I don't know how you guys are in institute, like in hospitals and doctor's offices, but I only have two N95 masks, <laughs> a P- mm-hmm. P100 mask, and like one pair of goggles I have to wear continuously throughout pro- this process right now. Mm-hmm. So, so, you've been ex- so you were exposed two weeks ago. Mm. I got I to gotta ask, any symptoms from you? No. Nothing? Nothing. Nothing at all. Wow, no. Jules. So I can see why, you know, I've been, you know, we've, we've been watching you and seeing, making sure like, all right, so-and-so is having a hard time, so-and-so is okay, and you've definitely been having a hard time. It's, it's, it's fair to say that, and I can see now why. And that would freak me and then the fuck out. Dan works um, – the same place Cindy works, and he's a director there. But people are getting sick there. Staff are dropping like flies. So he's going into – he has to go into these homes and take care of residents because there's literally zero staff. There's positive residents. There's positive staff. And he's working with the potential to get infected. You know, I'm working with the potential to get infected. I'm coming home to my children with potential to infect them. I've been quarantining myself from my mother, who's over 65 years old. Haven't seen her in two weeks. Like, it's it's heartbreaking. Well, the scary thing, too, like, not only, like, so at Vassar, we're given one N95 mask, um, and it, depending on what floor I'm on and what manager you speak with, they say, like, this is your one and only mask. And we're literally given a brown sandwich bag to yeah. store my mask in. So I'm literally, so every time I take it off, I have to be so careful not to touch the outside of it is contaminated. And so we were taught in nursing school and it's like ingrained in us. These are supposed to be one-time use only. Like you take Mm -hmm. the mask off and you chuck it between, Mm -hmm. you know, patients. And we're being told to use these for shift after shift with like no end in sight. So not only do you have that to worry about? Like, am I contaminating myself every time I take off the mask? I have to be so careful, but then... I think the scarier thing too is like oh, most of these patients immediately like initially are, are asymptomatic. They're not showing mm-hmm. symptoms yet. 
it does not mean they don't have the virus. So I could be working around any number of them. And, you know, sometimes you don't know. I had a patient last Thursday that was, we call them POIs. So it's a patient under investigation. So they've probably been swabbed and the swabs take days to come back. Um, and I had him on Thursday and then the next day I was back Saturday, I happened to be on the positive unit and I noticed the name and I'm like, great, he was positive. So like the whole time I'm thinking on Thursday, was I careful? Like, was I wearing my mask mm-hmm. properly? Like, so it's just a lot of it, you know, and we're not so even given what we need. So you know? They're only giving you one mask for how long? They won't tell us. They just say, they this won't is tell us. Yeah. yeah, this is it. Yeah. Yeah, put it in a brown paper bag and uh, put your name on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, decorate your bag a little bit. So I mean, and for me, I mean, I guess I'm I'm fortunate because I had the P100, which is a nightmare, like the giant Darth Vader mask that. But I'm sitting (laughs) in infusions, like in people's homes. For eight hours, I'm wearing this thing on my face. I can barely breathe. I'm breathing in my own CO2 for eight hours, feeling like I'm going to pass out. Like, it's, wow. it's not a realistic. Yeah. So we have to, on the, um, the positive units now, they, they've made the entire unit is dirty. So um, you're literally gowned up with your mask, your mm-hmm. N95, the surgical mask over it for your entire shift. You can take a step off for like 15 minutes, take your lunch and have another nurse cover you. But otherwise, my 12 and a half hour shift is spent in all of this. So by the end of the shift, my gown stuck to me. I'm sweaty. My The bridge of my nose, I'm already like breaking down. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually got eight of these like papar masks. I don't know if you've seen the papars. Yeah. Um, they're yeah. really awesome. Like, they're so comfortable. It basically is, is airflow. It's like positive airflow. Um, and we have eight of them, which is not nearly enough for what we need, but you know, it's something. And we, you know, the first time I put it on, I went in and it's the saddest thing. And I think it reminds you, it's just like these patients are scared, you know, they're not allowed mm-hmm. visitors. They have no family. And my one patient, like he just like lit up because he could see my face. And I, I smiled at him. I was like, hi, like, remember, like, can you tell my voice? And he, he like got so happy that he could see like I'm a person. Cause like with the masks on and the goggles, like you can't tell who, I can't even tell who my coworkers are, you know, let alone these patients are supposed to know who their nurses are. And so it's, it was nice to be able to actually see and like give the smile, you know, they see your smile and they're, um, I think that's been like the saddest thing for me is just seeing like these patients so scared and when they deteriorate, like when they go bad, they go bad fast mm-hmm. and they have literally no family around them and they're scared. And then, you know, we're like, I had one day on the positive unit before 11 AM, we had two patients um, that had to basically be wheeled off to go to be intubated. Um, and you're just like imagining what's going through their head. Like, they know where they're going. They have nobody with them except the staff who all look like the same person. You can't even right. tell who we are. And it's just, I think that's like the hardest part about it. Like, obviously it's scary. Like, am I bringing it home every day? Like, honestly, if it was just me in the house, it'd be fine. Like Jeff has asthma. That's my only concern is, is him. Like any, anytime you have any breathing thing, but if it was just me, I'd have no concern in the world. Like if it was just me, I'm not seeing my nieces right now, my mom, like my grandparents, obviously. So I'm kind of like isolating myself. But um, I think the saddest thing at the end of the day is just these patients and like how 
scary it must be because it is it's very scary and we don't know so much about it and that's the thing i mean for me i'm I'm taking care of people with zero immune system so some of them see me walk into their home they've known me for so long and they get insulted like why i don't have anything why are you wearing that mask why are you wearing that gown why are you sitting all the way over there i'm not contagious why won't you you know like i used to have a relationship where i could hug a kid and like touch an arm and now I can't even do that. And then you have the other end where it's like, you walk into a home and a patient treats you like a leper, you know, like get out of my home, mm-hmm. get, get, let's get this done quickly. I don't want to catch anything from you. So it's, it's kind of, I'm hoping it's not like foreshadowing of what our society is gonna become basically, you know? Is there gonna be that fear of the, nursing profession of doctors like they're just contagious petri dishes walking around and we're going to catch something from them interesting point of view i haven't heard that yeah that is interesting yeah definitely uh valid though i would say Mm um wow that was that was unbelievable to hear all that i didn't know the um kind of the, the severity of what's going on here and Christy's point of like how now it's like you, there's no um, emotional connection and everyone looks like robots that are mm-hmm. taking care of you and how sad is that? And you have no family and I can't imagine that. Uh, yeah. We're, we're just these big blue robots. Well, and then they're, you know, they're also instructing us, like, we should be trying to minimize our time around these patients. And so that's, again, that's against, like, everything that's ingrained in us is we're expected, we're usually right there with our patients, like, hourly rounding, we want to see them. Like, you have them for 12-hour days, so you, you really establish a relationship with them. And now you're telling me, like, minimize your contact with them and they're already stuck in a room on their own, like not feeling good. So it's like, it's definitely hard to follow that. Like I want to go in there and be with them and spend time with them and comfort them. Cause you know, that's, that's what we do. And, and you're basically telling me not to do that. Right. It, it's hard to be a nurse and not have compassion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but that's you're almost forced like, to. You're but forced you're to. almost forced to, you know, mm-hmm. it, you, you have to, you have to put that line of, you know, like, what if, you know, like, and, and that's the hard thing. Like, you know, what if I bring it home to my family? What if I contaminate another patient? What if I infect, you know, people out on the street because of the exposure that I have? And, and that's, that's a really hard thing. You know, like, nurses do come from people who want and, and who can give compassion. And I think that's, Overall, what are wanting to care for others to attach yourself so much it kind of makes us like a robot and I think that's what's probably driving us all of this crazy at this point because we don't know how to do that mm-hmm. you know yeah. that, so, that's the hard part so let's get into kind of the science of this thing um, even though we don't know much about it what do you guys, what, what are people telling you as in like your higher ups and your, the doctors above you and the, the quote unquote scientists or the experts in this thing um, that you guys are surrounded by? What is, what, what is it about this thing that makes it so um, contagious? 
It completely depends on who you ask. Like I had been talking with, I like to rack the infectious disease doctor's brains because they're like the pros on this right now. Um, so I happened to be talking to one of them because he was on our unit and I'm like, we're just like drilling him with questions. Like, what do you know? Because, you know, they're the experts. And he explained like, and I think most of us are probably under the same impression is that, so it's a droplet, like um, droplet transmission. So meaning that it's spread through droplets. So if someone coughs or sneezes, and so those are, are bigger particles. Whereas when you consider something that is airborne transmission, it literally is smaller particles and can travel like through the air. And that's more dangerous. That's where you really need the special respirators. Um, it needs to filter out really tiny particles. And so it's like every other day I read a different article. Like one day it's definitely droplet unless the patient's getting nebulizers or certain treatments that like make it become aerosolized. And then the next day, no, it's definitely airborne. And so it's like, me wearing just a regular surgical mask is not exactly. going to protect me if it's airborne. So I need to know, like, what is it really? Um, it, it, it's very frustrating because it's literally, and I, I think um, the CDC in particular has been incredibly frustrating because they're supposed to be the ones that we turn to. And they're literally, like, they're just changing up the rules each day just to be, out like... Out of, out of pure convenience. Just, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, pretty much. we know we're going to run out of these, so now it's okay if you wear this. Like, it yeah, starts so. out on day one, do this, and then, no, we can downgrade it to this, to the point that they literally said we can wear bandanas or Bandanas or face, yep. Like, are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then yeah. the most frustrating thing about it is like you're hearing all of this from your higher ups like Jen I don't know if you've dealt with I don't know if you have the same I guess you'd have the same managers as I do but my my assistant nurse manager had the audacity to tell me that I, I need my single N95 mask which I had left on the positive unit I said I'm going to a floor that's not positive I'm not wearing that mask I need another mm -hmm. mask and she you know came back and said I'll, I will have to get you one more, but after this, like, you really need to bring your belongings from floor, you know, from floor to floor. And I'm like, these, mind you, these managers are not coming up to the floors anymore. They stay mm -hmm. in their offices and they'll call you, but they're, they're not the ones on the front lines exposing themselves. And yet they're the ones making the decisions, mm -hmm. like how many masks mm -hmm. you can get and who gets this and who gets that. And what do you wear? Like, but you're not, you're not actually the one with your, your health on on the line, you know, exposing yourself. So it's, it's very frustrating. And I think what makes it also contain like super con it, human, it's brand new for humans. So we don't have the immunity to fight this off, you know? So eventually as a human race, we will develop that immunity. I'm not sure how long it will take. I, I forget what they call it. What is it? Herd? Herd immunity or something like herd that. Herd immunity, yeah. Yeah, right. but that's why we're all getting so sick so quickly because we don't have the defense mechanisms to to fight this virus off. Okay, so, so new. Okay, so what is the? How do you yeah, build up this think, defense think, mechanism? Well, you know what? I, actually, I, I mean, I think it. I think it really depends. I mean, like COVID itself has been around for a very long time. I but mean, this you can look on any. But right, right. So 19 yeah. hasn't been, but I think like 239 and 235 have been around. Yeah. And so they, they're all like, you know, sub branches, whatever the hell you want to call it. But I mean, it has been around for a while. 
but I do think that we can build an immunity oh, and, depending on and we definitely will because we've done it with like, right. the flu right. and everything else. But so it's that, just so that's developed. the science. Right. So that's the right. science behind right. it is to beating this thing is um, and, and tell me if I'm wrong. Number one is immunity, and then uh, number two is a vaccine. Yeah. Am I am Basically. I wrong? Am I naive in saying right. that? Am I right? No. Uh, no, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It's going to so, probably be very similar to, you know, like influenza. Like the, these viruses are smart. Like they'll, they'll sometimes they mutate and they have different strains. And so it's because it's brand new, like we obviously don't have any, any data on it or any vaccine. And so we don't know, um, like it's still up in the air. Is this going to come back next year? Like it, it could be like influenza where it comes back each year and I think I think that's like the scariest thought to me is like hopefully by that point we have you know a, a better understanding of it and and are closer to like a vaccine um because you know if, just try to imagine another year of this like for it to come back is is just yes yeah. and I guess it, it, it just it's it's what's going to take is for and they're talking about people who are healthier getting the getting the virus and collecting their blood and um, infusing sicker patients with their IgG and the IgM. Yeah, the But that's gonna take months before we get to that point. Right. So. They just started doing that at Mount Sinai. Did they? Okay. Yeah, they started taking, um, so people who are just, that just had COVID-19 and have built immunity to it, they're taking their blood out and giving it to patients that are sick, that are having a harder time with it. Yeah. And it's actually, there, there has been a good response rate so far. Good. I've heard. Okay. Oh, okay. So, I a couple of different pages on Facebook about this. No, because I thought that they were clearing out my, Mount Sinai just to make it specifically for the COVID positive patients. So they're, doing, yeah, they're, they're still doing testing there? Um, I don't know if it's testing. I just know they're taking the blood out from those who have immunity. I don't know what the, okay. the, the whole background. I just know that's what they're working towards. Okay. So I want to just, so we lost Cindy for a little bit. We're getting a little background noise from her, but I just want to bring Cindy in. So Cindy, we were just talking about the ugly at first, like what are you seeing personally out there? That's just like, that you're seeing out there, Cindy? Um, well, I worked, like I said, in the residence, and I have non-licensed people taking care of our residents. And I think the biggest thing for us, we had um, in one house, we have a positive resident and two positive staff. And the biggest thing we're seeing is fear. Um, my resident, the reason why I'm so exhausted is he actually got discharged from the hospital today. He's recovered so to say. He's still infectious, so we have him on isolation, um, but he's, like, breathing on his own. He doesn't require any IV fluids or anything. He's pretty much back to baseline, but the amount of fear for people to go and take care of him is the biggest issue we're having, is, and staff getting burnt out and tired themselves from working around the clock. We've got a couple kids that are sick, but they haven't really um, exhibited the COVID symptoms, but again, everybody is just scared. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
They're scared. Wow. They're scared to do their normal work. So this guy, um, who, and, this, this guy who tested positive, he was, he was um, said that he can go home and he'll be fine and he's recovering. Um, so, but can he still pass along this infection or this virus? Supposedly, yes. Uh, I guess they're saying for 14 days after um, he started showing symptoms. So he's on isolation at home, meaning we had to change bedrooms around and everything. So he's in his own room and away from the other residents for seven more days because it's been a week today. Okay. Got it. Wow. Interesting. And no one wants to treat him because of, they don't want to get infected. Yeah, they're super scared. And, um, I mean, I can't blame them. Like I said, I, I have two staff members, and one really isn't doing so hot, um, is vented in the ICU. But then we have the other one who's home recovering. Oh, wow. So, mm. yeah. <sighs> that is so scary. Um, so so it's, it's a good consensus that we get through this thing if we develop better – uh, research and study about this thing and we get behind the studies and not the bullshit and the politics and then we sort of um, develop the immunity for it and then we also develop a vaccine for it. Is that correct? For the most yeah, part. In a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the positives. What type of um, maybe some miracles or any type of recoveries that you guys have seen or anything that we're not hearing on the news, because I feel like for ratings, the news just wants to drive fear into us. Um, there's got to be some positive that you guys are seeing locally. What are you guys seeing? Well, I can tell you the resident that I'm taking care of who um, recovered, he's very, very disabled. Um, he usually gets put on a ventilator at least once or twice a year from just aspiration pneumonia alone. And for him to just come back, it's almost like nothing. I mean, mind you, he was very sick the day he went in, but uh, he's perfectly fine. Wow. It's shockingly how good he has recovered. Um, so, I mean, that's hopeful. I don't know if this virus makes any sense, you know, wow. as far as all oh, the immunocompromised or the elderly or the young or the old. I don't know what the truth is, honestly. But he, he's perfectly fine. He's back at baseline. And I would have thought initially that this might have, like, taken him yeah, out. And it yeah. didn't do that. So that's probably Yeah. I mean, we're definitely, I think, like, at the end of the day, obviously the news scares you. Um, but I think they were saying it's like 80, what is it, 80% um, can recover at home on their own. 20% end up needing hospital care. I feel um, like you don't hear that number enough. No, like they really need to drill that number into your head. Like, you know, it's, you're not going to feel great, but 80% of you will be fine at home on your own. You'll recover. You'll be fine. Right. Sam, um, do you have something? Yeah, the only thing with that is, is the fact that with some of these healthier people, they're not testing them when they really should be in the sense, especially because like we're exposed to a lot of different people that are immune compromised, that are older. We, we see them every, in everyday life and we don't know what this thing can do if we test positive and we're giving it to them. Who's to say after the incubation period, are we still going to be able to give it to somebody who's older and not able to get rid of it as easily as we do. 
So mm-hmm. I feel like the testing, it even though it increased, I feel like it's still very lacking. I don't know yeah. if how you guys feel about it, but. Yeah, I think that they're starting to um, get a little more on board, especially of testing like nurses and healthcare providers because they're, they're realizing the ramifications of not doing it. Like mm-hmm. I might feel okay, but you know, how many patients am I going to expose? So I think like they're kind of, you know, they're always a little bit behind the eight ball. Um, <laughs> always. They just got to get it done quick mm-hmm. enough too. Cause right. yeah, you know, like the viral load if, if I'm calling you and I'm like, I have a fever, I have symptoms. And then you're like, cause I, the couple of nurses that I work with in this area were infected. They got, they developed symptoms. They had to be put out of work, but it took them a solid seven days to actually get an appointment to get tested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by the time they get there, it could be a false negative because the viral load is so low. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> So they got to figure out a way to get in quicker, get these tests done quicker. It takes 24 to 48 hours to get the actual results. Right. And I just don't see why we can't, I work at Vassar. Why can I not go down to my ER and you swab me right there? Why should I have to get an appointment with my primary and Mm -hmm. then get a script and then go to Dutchess Stadium where I might wait for hours and then we yeah. up to a week for results by that point. Like you said, I'm literally recovering and I could probably go back to work. So it's, work. Just, it's, it's, and then you had your employer. Cause I know for her, for these two women, they weren't allowed to come back to work until they had a negative or had their results so they could do the timing. So 14 days from whatever time they started their symptoms and then they're not getting paid if they're not positive. Right. You well, know, you can work for Vassar, they'll yeah. take you like even while you're sick. If, if you feel that's like you, oh, you know what, <laughs> isn't, Vassar, isn't Vassar letting them? Because I have a friend who's a tech there. I was told Vassar, it's he had um been symptom free, fever free for seven days now, and they're letting him come back to work. Is that accurate? It's three days, three days if you're symptom free. <laughs> oh, my god, huh. You just have wow. to wear a mask. So you know what? Uh, all right. So it's horrible, be but the odd person out here, and it's probably because I'm probably older than all of you. <laughs> but I'm gonna go old school here. Totally old school nurse. Here. So we, we'll see all right, all right. So we all know that this is a virus, correct? Yep. All right. And so antibiotics technically don't treat mm-hmm. viruses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, if you're up. exposed and you become, <laughs> don't make me get my accent on. So <laughs> if you become exposed, right, antibiotics are not going to help you because it's a virus, right? So you have to wait it out, okay? So when I was a kid, back in the whatever, we had these chicken pox parties, we had the measles parties. Why? Because they were all viruses. So you got the disease and then you waited it out. So just because you tested positive, I get it. They're not going to give you penicillin because it's not going to help you. So I think that's a lot of the hysteria because people want to have the miracle cure. They want to have that pill that's going to cure them. It's a virus. It's not going to help you. And no matter what they say, hydrocolone or whatever else, it may or may not help. But I think people in my generation, a little earlier, you guys' generation, if you're healthy and you're doing well, exercise, right the whole nine yards 
we have to remember that the vast majority of the people who are most susceptible are infants and the elderly and the pregnant. Just like any other virus, it's going to take you. So you can get tested and you may test positive, but your doctor's not going to prescribe you penicillin or amoxicillin because that's oh, yeah. not going to treat you. But so I, you're going to have think- to stay home. And you're going to have to be quarantined and you have to have plenty of fluids and Pedialyte and Tylenol. Don't take the Motrin. Well, not the story. But I, I mean, like, that's like, that, that's what it comes down to, you know? And I think, but I think for me, because of my patient po- population, so I have a six-year-old with leukemia and I have an elderly right. person that has CVID and I have a cystic fibrosis. If I wake up tomorrow, I have a fever and I don't know why I have that fever. I'm not going to work for 14 days because I don't want to kill them. Because <laughs> right. I no, I agree with you. Them. I agree with you a thousand percent. I do, but I think like that's like the whole like hysteria thing that's going on. Not not for us because of what we deal with with our patients. Yeah. But I just think the general population, you know, like you it's just understand. like, oh my god, yeah. like they don't understand the difference between a virus and mm-hmm. a bacterial infection. Mm-hmm. Kind of so but more positives, more positive. What are we not hearing and seeing out there? We're struggling with the positives. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Well, the positive is that, in my opinion, the positive is, is the amount of people who have, um, I don't want to say cured, but who have recovered from this as opposed to the amount of deaths. You know, mm-hmm. so if you look at duchesscounty.gov, you can see in Dutchess County itself how many people who were diagnosed and how many people have died and how many people have recovered from it. And, and that's not what the media is picking exactly. up Exactly. That's what's frustrating to me is when they report, um, you know, like right. the daily death rate, why do you not also then report the daily recovered? Like you should know how many people are recovering versus how many are dying because it's, it's scary when all you hear is, oh, another person died. Why, why don't right. we look at the death rate as much? I mean, in the U.S. right now, currently standing, I just did the math on it. It was 1.9% of the people are dying. I find that extremely low. Yeah. Um, I mean, one, it's low. but it, in Because sensationalism sells. That's why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, like, like it's only been two weeks. Right. That's a lot of deaths in two weeks for one for one, okay, I see. How, yep, yep. For one virus, you know what I mean. That makes sense. That, that makes total sense. That could be for me. It was shocking, and and maybe I'm just naive to like like I don't look up statistics in regards to how many car accidents in two weeks and how many cancer deaths in two weeks. But I guess w- when you have it in your face, it's it's shocking. Makes total sense to me. Yeah, I'm just yeah. Uh, <clears throat> for me, uh, you know, being naive as I am. Um, not in the shit like you guys are. I, I look at that number. I think that's that's pretty low. But I guess when you put it that way, that that does make sense. That it could be perceived as pretty high within a, f- a few weeks, for sure, absolutely. And we weren't even counting the deaths that we did. Had anybody else hear that? The fan. Go ahead, Jen. Did anybody else hear that 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 patient zero um, down in New York City? Well, actually, uh, New Rochelle, like he was, he's recovered. Like the very first patient no. in New York, he he's recovered. The lawyer that was uh, he was overseas somewhere and he came here and he was like yeah. he was considered patient zero. He has recovered. 
You know, he was a, a mid 40 year old lawyer in Bronxville, New York, and he's recovered. But nobody's talking about that. Like they're talking about like this six week old in Connecticut who once passed away or, right. you know, all these other. Um, anyone else got positives? Because uh, like that's where they oh, where they the get problem. their most you know buyers from. <laughs> I hate to say it, I really do. <laughs> You're Jen, just lagging behind. Um, them. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. That's all right. That's okay. Um, um, I, I have positives. I mean, me, it might sound like a little um, I don't know the the word for it. Um, but you know, being in the hospital, we are getting so like so many people are so grateful um and and in a way sometimes it kind of annoys me um I don't know how you guys feel but like you know I've gotten a lot of messages and I totally appreciate it that everybody's thinking about me but like when people will say like you're our hero or this or that like I, I don't know I, I don't like that um I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone thinking about I'll me I'll doing it <laughs> <laughs> right like I'm not I don't know I don't see myself as a hero like and at the end of the day if I had all the supplies that I needed I wouldn't really be afraid of this thing it's more the fact that we're being exposed because we don't have enough equipment and stuff um but that being said I will say I super appreciate like we're getting food every day like really good food like local you know restaurants and stuff are sending in food for the nurses and the techs and all the staff and you know the amount of people that are making us the masks and you know I go out to my car at the end of like a really long shift and somebody's like left a flower on on our car like everyone's cars you know and like a little note saying like thanks for all you do and like so it's like those little things that mean a ton. Like I'm not wanting to bring food with me when I'm going to be on a positive unit all day. I have nowhere to store my food. So the fact that somebody's actually bringing us in really good food is like, I probably wouldn't be, I'd be eating garbage otherwise. And if you go to our cafeteria right now, like Vassar's cafeteria has never been great, but currently it's like, you got a choice of like a prepackaged salad and like no. a fried chicken sandwich. Like it's, yeah. it's a little slim. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the, no, the, the chicken nuggets aren't so bad. <laughs> they don't have those anymore. It's only prepackaged things. <laughs> the chicken nuggets aren't so bad. The, the mozzarella sticks is where it's at. I don't make them anymore. Giving okay, me Lysol and bleach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And making me some, a patient made me a box, which is awesome. So I could work out at home. Oh, um, that's cool. Just, just, you know, stuff like that. The patients care. Like the patients, they definitely are are, you know, grateful, creative, and grateful of yep. of what we're doing. Not so much the administration, at least on my end. I don't know about you guys, but uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean that's typical. I think especially now they just see us as like greedy, like overusers of N95s because you know we don't have enough of those. Um, but. But yeah, the patients definitely, I, like, I don't know if you guys have seen all those stories and I wish they were shared more. Like, you know, the nurses that will write notes like on the glass to their ICU, you know, the patients because they're trying to limit exposure, but they're still communicating with them through notes. And like one of the patients that ended up recovering and left the ICU, like left them all a note written back on the window. The, the thank you. Did, did you get a thank you heart? Um, I got a card on my, my windshield. 
I got um uh, I got uh, well I got a carnation, but I also got a thank you heart. Aww. Like we we got a bunch of thank you hearts, like somebody you know construction paper, and it just said thank you on it, and that that was yeah. really sweet. Yeah. yeah. My situation's a little different. We're getting <laughs> the calls from the families at home for their kids, and like they're constantly thanking us for taking care of their kids. Um, the parents are from all over the place, and they're not allowed to visit their kids right now, obviously. Um, Wow. So, I mean, they're just, like, so appreciative and, you know, thank you for taking care of my son or thank you for taking care of my daughter and, you know, checking in and making sure they're all okay. Um, none of my residents in the house I'm in are verbal, so they don't speak. So the parents are really talking to us and making sure their kids are okay. And Yeah, it's yeah. nice. Wow. Um, do we beat this thing and when? All of you just sighed at the same time. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm tired of being in this house. I want my yeah. gym open. I want, I want, I want to go shopping at Marshalls, just like everybody else. And I'm tired of wearing Marshalls my Marshalls in Poughkeepsie. Oh my god, it's horrible there. I feel like well, it. maybe I, I, I have like now, a yard nice. sale at heart type of thing. So like, I feel like I'm in a rummage <laughs> sale when I'm in there. I it totally. <laughs> Give me a high. <laughs> I like to I dig. I, I like to dig. I'm thinking we're riding through the summer for sure. Okay. The summer. Yeah. It's over by my birthday. When's Memorial your birthday? Day. Uh, I'm making Memorial Day, Day weekend. Okay. Okay. So Jules sings July. Cindy thinks Memorial Day. What about you guys? I gotta do Murph. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yes. What about you, girls? I mean, it depends if you're, are you saying like actually over, over or like the downslope because. Do we get through this thing as in um, business as usual, we're going back to normal. You guys don't have to wear funky masks. I'm going to say May. Yeah, yes. it says May. May. Christy? I'll say middle of May. That's my, that's my hope. You know, if, if all the projections of them anticipating the, the peak, depending on what model you look at, they're saying anywhere from like two to three weeks that we're going to peak right now. So, right. you know, I, I'd hope that the middle to end of the, this month, it, we're peaking and then we start the downslope. And once we start the downslope, I think they're going to be safer to open back up things. So I'm thinking mid Sam, what about you, Sam? I'm thinking June, but I don't think we're going to see, like, the last, the last of, of it. it until, like, I don't think it'll go away completely until around August. How can you see the last of this thing? If it's something that is airborne or droplet and I'm still carrying it That's through, I, yeah. you know, through the end of April and then I cough on Jamie and Jamie carries it through May. She calls on someone who carries it through June. How do you, how does this end? Like, I don't think we, and and that's the thing. I don't think we're, I think it's going to be a vicious cycle. It's going to slow down. So we're going to get, we're going to, you know, flatten out. Hopefully we get a vaccine or some sort of immunity, Mm -hmm. but I feel like we're, it's like the flu. We're going to constantly every year, we're going to be battling this battle but just hopefully not as intense and like, this is insanity. Like if you think about it, like how yeah. we're living right. is insane. Um, uh, one naive question, my last one will be, when I have the flu, I take Tamiflu. 
Okay. Is there going to be a, uh, a, <laughs> Kobe flu? A Tama Corona. So, Jen Fitz, you were talking about, you know, antibiotics. What is Tamiflu? Um, I don't think it's an antibiotic, correct? Okay. No, it's, it's an antiviral. antiviral. Yeah. That's um, what we need. We just figured so, it out. And so they were talking, <laughs> like, they, they were doing the whole Plaquenil and Zithromax, z thing. I feel like eventually they'll have some sort of antiviral for this. This is going to take some time to develop. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, yeah. the brains are working already. Right. Sure. There's, I was going to say that there's definitely um, guys and gals smarter than all six of us right now working on it as we speak. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is what we have on our side going forward, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of scary if you think about it, like how fast the CDC and the FDA and everybody else is working on, uh, you know, this kind of medication when there are so many other diseases that, you know, for years they could have been working on, and they're not. But that's a whole other podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I'll probably um, want to bring you girls back on in, say, two weeks just to get another update from you guys, if, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. That, that'll be a good sure. check-in, too, on our symptom status. Cause that's currently true. We're all yeah. <laughs> Especially after I head to Connecticut, like, you know, what's going on over there? Yeah. You're yeah. going to be bored there. If you've been at Vassar, you're going to go over to Sharon and be like, look around, like, what's going on? If they're not nice over there. They're, no? they're not. I, no, they're you know great why? to my people. <laughs> <laughs> my kids. We sent our kids there. <laughs> so... So, Cindy, do you remember, um, so I used to be a school nurse at the Kildonan School in Amenia. Oh, no, I don't know about that. Yeah, so I, I sent a lot of kids over to Sharon. They're not that bright. But now that HealthQuest <laughs> took them over, hopefully. Sharon is All very, have you been to Sharon, Connecticut? It is like, I haven't, I wouldn't go there. The middle it's of very, nowhere. It's very podunk. Like yeah, it is. It is. It's very podunk. Like, I don't even know what that for, means. It's podunk. <laughs> so, <laughs> podunk. <laughs> so, so for me, going from like Montefiore to Vassar, it was like, hey, and then I went to Sharon, and I was like, oh damn. <laughs> so, yeah. It's very, yeah, it's very bad. You'll be a good oh, addition yeah. there. You'll help bring their their quality up a little bit. <laughs> um, all right, ladies, any last um, pieces of advice? Do we keep staying at home and social distancing ourselves? Is that all to believe to be true? Yes. Stay yes. home, practice social distancing. And my shout out for everyone, which is the most horrible thing that I've ever seen, not that anybody in April Fire has been doing, but I've noticed going to grocery stores. I'm actually appalled at seeing how many masks and gloves have been littering the parking lot. Oh, yeah. I just, I, yeah. I, do, I don't get it. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. Like, so people clean up after yourselves. I'm not saying anyone here has, but if any of the other podcast people are listening to this, it, it doesn't make any sense because you're throwing your gloves on the ground and then who do you think is picking it up? Right. Like it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I was mortified when I went to ShopRite this morning. Like, well, you're throwing your, your gloves that you also like touched every surface in the world and then your phone yeah. and then your face. And you know, 
It's amazing. Not using them properly. Of and car keys and, and right. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. That's more of like a public service announcement. Right. We can do that together. Public service announcement. That's good, Chad. That's good. And don't forget to take your regimen. That's right. I like that. <laughs> That's right. Those have, yeah, those have electrolytes. Um, all right, ladies, this has been um, absolutely mind-blowing. Absolutely outstanding. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, any final words? Anything else? I miss the gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so do I. Hey, guys, we'll Bad. get back to it, though. You guys are killing it. Just keep staying involved and engaged. This is hard. This is hard. We'll get through it. Um, Eight, four, five is home. All right, baby. Um, Can I, I make guys... a public announcement? Absolutely, Sam. Go ahead. Uh, this hasn't been brought out yet, but this you're is pregnant. Good stuff. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not yet. I just got an acceptance letter to a doctor of nurse practitioner program today. <laughs> I'm a public you go, Sam. Yeah. Oh, my favorite you. redhead. You go. <laughs> That's awesome. Congratulations. That's awesome. Oh. Thank you. Ready to join the club of being miserable. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. So much. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much. Um, hopefully it just gets better from here. And, and this has been absolutely incredible to have you guys on and, and shed some light on what's going on locally here. All right, guys. Stay safe. Stay home. All right. Thank you girls so much. Yeah. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.